We are rolling, sir. Are we rolling? We are rolling. Just Ooh. hanging out. Welcome to Suggested Donation. I am Edward Minoff. I am Tony Serenai. And we are joined today at the John Pence Gallery by Jacob Pfeiffer. Hello. Thanks for having me. Jacob Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Did you get a lot of that in school? I did. Um, yeah, the P's silent. Uh, one of the things that I also got quite a bit was, are you related to Michelle Pfeiffer? Ooh. Are you? And I'm not, but my standard line was that she's my ex-wife. Yes. <laughs> and she kept the name because, you know. You're uh, awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was, she got the Jacob Pfeiffer boost in her career. So. Well, know, she's she, out she's here actually and she a takes painter. classes yeah. at, uh, at Baca Bay Area Classical Arts Atelier. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was actually yeah. there all week. That's why I'm out here and uh, why we're just happened to be our schedules uh, coincided. So I was um, out here teaching, and apparently she's like a big advocate of not only the arts, but kind of our little world. Our neglected corner of the art world. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, That's great. It's nice to have some star power uh, <laughs> backing you up. And you were out here, and now you're back in, uh, in Wisconsin. That's right. I, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was born and raised in Milwaukee in the city. And, um, Laverne and Shirley. Yep. And happy days (laughs) and And, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer (laughs) and, um, to name a few. Yeah. You know, but he's real. The rest, he was real. Um, you know, and (laughs) a couple of his victims actually were from my high school. Are you really? Uh, Yeah. Um, I went to the high school of the arts, which was located right in the middle of the city and his apartment was four or five blocks away from my high school. And so two of his victims I knew, one was in my homeroom. And so it was pretty bizarre to to have that, you know, you know, kind of in intersect in your life while going through high school that a couple people you knew were eaten by somebody. Jesus. So But you said you went to the high school high school of the arts? I did, yep. Is that something that you knew I mean, what was it like? Was it? Did you know you were going to be an artist at an early age? I did. Yeah, um, my dad is an artist, and he was an art teacher. Uh, Thirty-five years uh, ceramic art teacher in high school, but I didn't live with him. My parents separated very, very early, and um, but I always had that art influence from my dad and my mom. They both encouraged me to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I had. Um, so a lot of exposure, did a lot of drawing in my f- free time. So my mom enrolled me in the elementary school of the arts, then the middle school of the arts, and then the high school of the arts. Wow. So, um, and each of these schools were located in the roughest part of Milwaukee you can imagine. They were dead center um, across the street from projects and all sorts of other, you know, um, cannibals. kind of, yeah, there's right. cannibals, exactly. <laughs> Right. You didn't, you didn't worry about the drive-by shootings. You worried about the people that kind of had a hungry look in their eyes. So uh, <laughs> That is insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The guy um, left a mark. Um, yeah, well, not, not only in your, that city, but in history. Yep. I mean, everybody, you say that name. And in your just, childhood. In your childhood. Yeah. Your formative yeah. years. Well, so getting back to the... Um, Art. Yeah, the, the height. Less about cannibalism and <laughs> more about more about uh, beauty and and uh, painting. I uh, after the middle school of the arts, where you're exposed to everything. We we had dance classes, theater classes. Um, I was in a marching band. Mm-hmm. Where would you uh, play? I was cymbals, <laughs> which is kind of the what the like instrument you want. Top of the pyramid. Oh, That's well, the, you were the top of the food chain. Yeah, there. when you're when you're twelve and thirteen. <laughs> You, you want to be able to make the most noise. Yeah, and, and so, and, and it was also pretty easy. So um, I, I like the... Uh, you ever think about going back? Yeah, and I... Travis Schlott was the uh, sousaphone <laughs> in his marching band. I think we can put well, together like a... He and I could be a, a two-man band. <laughs> uh, that'd be good. It's very hipster of you guys. <laughs> right, well, we... Um, I have a, a memory of the marching band going around, again, throughout these projects in the morning, performing mm-hmm. and it was pretty early i believe it was probably like nine in the morning and a lot of people are coming out uh, of their you know on the stoops and their in their uh, homes and and they weren't too appreciative of mm-hmm. our of our talents of, so of it's so another benefit of um 
playing the symbols, they actually double as a shield. So I was able to use those as, you know, self-protection. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the flute players were the first to go. Um, you, you can't defend yourselves with any of those. So. I always love in cartoons when the symbol, when you have the two symbols, every hitting some sort of character between the, right. yeah. Yeah. and then, they're, and then they their head would flatten, out, flatten yeah. out and they're <laughs> did that ever happen <laughs> no but there you know but i do remember crashing them into the like near the face of a girl that i had a crush on and thinking that would impress her right i thought that being really obnoxious if i could be really loud with the symbols right that this is going to let her know that my... i'm i really like you i'm you know i'd like powerful to go out with her or something. Yeah. yeah kick her in the shin and and I'm married to that woman to this day. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, so from the middle school, I went... Um, so, so that was like a little bit of everything. Yes, exactly, school. exactly. So and, were you uh, encouraged to draw in school, in the elementary school? Were they allowing you to draw? Yep, yep. Um, it was, a, again, a creative arts-based education. All the same curriculum that all the other public schools had. Yeah. And it was a public school, but... At the time, they were called magnet schools, so they were getting extra funding, yeah. and especially in these more impoverished areas, to attract uh, students from outside of the area to mm -hmm. help integrate the schools more. So mm -hmm. the schools I went to, I was mostly um, maybe 60%, 70 um, African-American, mm -hmm. and then you know, the rest filled in by everyone else. So. Um, would you be would the would you bust it like would you I was bust in, yeah. in yep and um, I mean I I lived in the city but just a, you know further west and yeah. you know mm -hmm. still in the city proper but um, which I th part of that experience was incredibly invaluable too I mean just the being able to um, befriend and get to know all sorts of people and, yeah. and not From just all walks of right, life and everything. Right. Um, so I still have a number of uh, really close friends that I grew up with going back to like when we were first and second graders. Mm -hmm. So uh, we still get together and, and march in a band. <laughs> so when you went into the middle school, was it, um, did they actually like anything else? And when you were getting more, uh, obviously more mature, was the art education getting a little bit more mature? It was, it was, um, there was a lot of fundamentals taught. Uh, in middle school, wow. really, uh huh, like um, real fundamentals. Or? Well, when I say fundamentals, fundamentally I mean ish. Yeah, I mean there was um, a lot of discussion about you know, perspective and proportions wow. and wow. values. That's... And did you learn like perspective, like gridding and you know? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Oh wow. And um, and that I mean th a lot of that was introductions to being able to um, draw what you want and mm -hmm. and, and do it accurately. And, um, but we were also, of course, encouraged to try all sorts of expressions as well. So, you know, dabbling in, um, abstract stuff and sculptures and things like that. That sounds it, legitimately open though. Like, uh, the openness that I was exposed to was like, you can do anything, but just don't draw what you're seeing and perspective. Come on, you know? Right. <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't remember actually encountering a lot of pushback to, my early interest in realism. I, mm -hmm. I, when I was a kid, I used to draw the Michael Jackson thriller album cover <laughs> and do it as carefully as I could. Over and over and over? Well, it was one of the ways that I kind of made a name for myself in the schools that I was in. Like, uh -huh. Jacob could draw. And, yeah. and look at what he just drew. He drew Michael Jackson like thriller. reclining. And look, and the thing that I remember spending the most time on was his hair, like his Jerry curl. I would do S, little mi miniature S's, and then little C's over it, and I'd overlay and do all these layering with the pencil. And nobody else at that age was doing stuff like that. Yeah. So even though the proportions were all jacked, and you know, if you looked at it, you'd think Michael Jackson. You might be able to tell with because it was a curly-headed guy and yeah, with yeah. a white, you know, suit or whatever, and a tiger mm -hmm. next to him. But um, <laughs> I do remember thinking. I can make something special happen by really honing in on these little details. Yeah. And it was um, kind of like an early way of kind of making a name for myself and um, I think befriending I did, people and, you know, that sort of thing. I did the same thing with, in, like, with album covers. It was like Iron Maiden covers because mm -hmm. of the, you know, 
amount of detail that went into some of those paintings of Eddie, right? Yeah. The, the mascot. For really anybody who cool. doesn't know the oh, mascot, yeah. of, I've drawn some Eddies. Yeah, in, in my and head, then yeah. you would do things <laughs> in school where other people recognized it, like a I've you know album uh, jacket cover. Uh, album cover on jackets and stuff but if you draw eddie on your somebody's notebook everybody knew what that was so if you were able to get some of those nuances like you're talking about they recognized the nuances and did you see the detail yeah, the, the shredded flag that he was holding yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. the idea is that yeah, it was a cool. recognizable thing well you know that, that they can then compare your drawing to and they can kind of see how good you were well i i think that's the kind of the the early formation of the power of observation and learning that if you look at something closer than other people are examining them, most mm -hmm. people, you know, live their lives glancing at their surroundings. And, you know, we as artists, you know, focus in and hone in, uh, you know, on these small areas and, and slices of life. And um, I remember really feeling like it's in the details that the magic happens and yeah. you know i was um in addition to drawing michael jackson and prince and things like that i also was a graffiti artist and so right <laughs> i know and um so another thing it was kind of like a currency you know going yeah. to these rough schools and they were pretty yeah. rough i mean um there was violence in the schools and stuff even though there were art schools you just had to defend yourself with uh, again your symbols or whatever. Or dancing, so, right? Exactly. You, it was it was fight. a lot of dance offs, you know, a la Michael Jackson. For some reason, our wrists were always uh, lashed, together. lashed together with a bandana, right? And we were given, you know, switchblades, and we never that were went, actually combs. Right, <laughs> we'd comb each other's hair. <laughs> that's that. I wish you know that's how um, you know problems were solved these days was with a good dance off. It would be you know, good and a yeah. comb. So yeah, Hillary and uh, Trump should have just been Dance lashed though. together, and uh, you know the hair combing would have been oh, awesome. I, actually, you know, again, he probably would have had the uh, upper hand in that too. So, <laughs> yeah. actually, in the history of when you look at hip hop and they when breakdancing started coming into fashion in the what late seventies, early eighties, the generation before that, all the the gangs in New York were crazy. I mean, they almost look like the Warriors with the jackets yeah, and yeah. everything, and. Uh, breakdancing actually was the next step in they were still battling but they started breakdancing instead and that's where some of those break battles came in it, I would it have came liked from to have the been the first guy who was like guys 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 let's not settle this with knives come on put down we're gonna dance this out guys we're gonna dance it out you Jacob Tony opposite sides Tony you go first Jacob you go second and we're gonna have a fair dance off the crowd decides. The okay, first guys. guy who suggested that is not is not around. Yeah, right. not around. Nor is the second, third, or fourth, but, but around seven the, or eight. Yeah, they somewhere. started getting. Yeah. But no, they started. They settled their beef through breakdancing, which was kind of cool. Yeah, well, that that'd be a nice way to resolve our our issues. Indeed. Um, so you were doing graffiti. So were you like again? You were already drawing. So you're in that world, not the graffiti world, but the idea of I'm a creative, per visual person. So even when I want to be kind of a kid who's maybe a little, you know, doing what kids do, I'm going to go out and draw yeah. on the walls. Right. Well, you know, I was uh, avid skateboarder as well, and. Um, so, but so I was doing all sorts of things: graffiti, skateboarding, lots of art, lots mm -hmm. of you know, trying to impress girls with my symbol skills, <laughs> things like that. Um, so the the thing that I remember this I used to get this positive feedback loop from doing graffiti you know, sketches for kids in the class, and again, I felt like it was almost this kind of like prison currency to be tight with. <laughs> The toughest kids. They were cool with you because yeah, you exactly. draw their name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. I was cool with every. You know, I didn't want to. You know, create animosity where it wasn't necessary. So I was always trying to, you know, smooth things over. And I found that art was, you know, this incredible um, bridge U between between experiences. Yeah, very universal. And that's you know, I know I'm not the first person to kind of have that dawn on them. But when I was a kid, I saw that it had a power and especially if it's done well, the reaction that uh, my classmates, my family, my friends would have, I, you know, it, it was um, kind of an addictive uh, thing. I, I felt my endorphins rise when I'd have, uh, you know, 
uh, you get that positive feedback when exactly you're like exactly so you know and so instead of seeking um, attention through negative things I thought well if I keep working at this art thing maybe someone will notice and my parents thankfully saw that and you know getting into the that school system was a godsend because mm-hmm. transitioning into the high school of the arts you had to audition and like a portfolio yep. you had to go there with a full portfolio, portfolio and actually do drawing on site um, and we, you wouldn't be um, turned down if you were eligible to go, but it was just a, ma- a matter of kind of a real minor weeding out of serious students versus non. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made it in, and there, that's when you take a specific uh, major. So people went there for dance, for orchestra, for theater, and I went for visual arts. And we had two hours a day. Uh, in the school day, dedicated just to art. So there was less study halls and things like that. But very early on, from freshman year through senior year, we had this concentrated dose. And the classes became more and more formal as the years went on, as your your drawing skill improved. So you, like your freshman year was a little bit more open, and then as you started getting towards you know your junior and sophomore years, they were... The whole program kind of it was intensifying. Yes, um, and and it led to in junior year we would go to the Milwaukee Art Museum. We'd bus there every day. It was this thing called the Art Satellite Program, and that was so fun because it felt like a, a field trip every day. And it, at the Milwaukee Art Museum, we were drawing from the um, the sculpt, the Rodin sculptures there, the the casts, the a very kind of atelier esque um, approach. Not a, a ton of um, real formal instruction on it, but it, mm-hmm. the exposure was incredible. And I got to know the museum like the back of my hand. You, you knew all the routes and where all the great pieces were. And, yeah. um, do you know who implemented that? Not, not necessarily like a, a name, but do you know what influenced somebody to go there and say, this is what we need to do? Was there a, it wasn't, cult, was it, there a culture of that at all in that part of the country? Well, I, know, I certainly know it had been going on for years prior to to my attending that but and other schools benefited from this yeah. art satellite program because you know a, a public institution like a museum you know has to have a far reach to, yeah. to benefit everybody so so I'm not sure the origins of that but the high school of the arts had only been around since the mid 80s and I yeah. was there I graduated from high school in 92 so I was there from like 88 to 92 so uh, so during that time getting that high concentrated dose of fundamentals and lots and lots of drawing. And then this art satellite program put me face to face with these painters that I think changed my life. Um, there is a uh, painter, Francisco de Zerberon, mm-hmm. um, a Spanish painter who is kind of like the Spanish Caravaggio, mm-hmm. uh, incredible um, dramatic lighting and there's this painting that the Milwaukee Art Museum has of um, St. Francis in a almost like clan-like outfit uh, it was he was a monk but oh, it was one of these the, big yeah, pointy yeah, hats yeah. and well, he's kind of looking up well in this one he's looking down and holding a skull okay. and you can see subtle um, stigmata um, references on his hands and he's walking it's this really tall slender painting it's life-size and there's all these um compositionally tons of triangles throughout so when you're you know in front of it with your art teacher you're pointing him out and learning how to dissect you know a composition that way and i remember thinking god this is so powerful and you could see it from across the museum because again that that high contrast and you come up close and you see you know these subtle details like the stigmata or the the skull and things of the folds of the robe and I thought that's this is the kind of art that gets me excited and at the time like I said I was into graffiti I felt like that was exactly what I was trying to do with my pieces and my murals so you can see them from pretty far away exactly kind of the 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 goal you wanted maximum impact from a distance Yeah. yeah but the thing that I love doing and and a lot of people would is after you closer inspection of these big pieces it's like super neat it's you like, you see that that's the icing on the cake yeah. it's the filling is really the awesome. there's no drips yeah. there's actually like multi layers of uh, blends and fades inside these big bold outlines and i you know i thought well that's again really exciting and and uh, it you know got me uh 
got my juices flowing. So, yeah. so those, um, those kind of artistic qualities were something that I knew that I would try to incorporate into my own work. Um, so I go for dramatic lighting, um, things that might catch your eye from across the room, and then when yeah. you, upon closer inspection, you know, I'm hoping to bedazzle you with lots of little details, <laughs> lots of little S's and C's in the Jerry, in the <laughs> Jerry girls. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, Did, was there um, the idea of, and generally, uh, graffiti is kind of like an abstract. It's, it's you're abstracting letter forms, and then you're going to the museum and you're seeing the Subaru paintings and all these other ones. Totally. A different world of art. Mm -hmm. Did you see a bridge between the two where you're like, I love this for what it is. It's it's this kind of old thing that I'm really interested in, yet I'm also interested in this completely, you know, pretty much youth-based uh, uh, culture that, that they seemingly don't connect. Right. Well, I, right when you asked that question, I immediately went back to the Zerberon and dissecting it into the different shapes yeah. mm. and distilling the letters into these simple forms in graffiti or warped or altered um, shapes to, you know, to create the, the piece. Zerberon was doing the same thing with breaking this down into these geometric, um, simple uh, forms and compositions. So I, I think that there's clearly a, a bridge there. Yeah. And, um, you know, craftsmanship and technical skill translates. And whether it's with a brush or an aerosol can or a hammer and a nail or anything, and it's, I, um, you know, I think that when there is somebody really paying attention to what they're doing and whatever, no matter what it is, you know, the outcome resonates with, with that sense of quality. So, um, you know, that, again, that's something that I'm always trying to strive for as well. Mm -hmm. um, Another piece while wandering the the art museum. This was, is again still in. Yep, the, this is still in high school. Again, yeah. this was you know very formative and and a lot of what I still rely on. Um, I think back to the lessons I had there of how to properly draw ellipses and and um, proportionality and and when something doesn't look right, you know, taking the steps to break it back down and realize. That, you know, why I'm not looking at it. I, you know, my like brain starts yeah. tricking me into thinking <laughs> yeah. something that I'm painting is perfect. And then um, you have to kind of go outside your own, you know, perception to realize that you're not as talented as you think you are. So you have <laughs> to rely on some, you know, technical um, background to, to fix things. But so I also had the, the great privilege and pleasure to be able to stand for hours in front of Lepage's wood gatherer. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. He's that, one of, I think he's one of my favorites. He's incredible. Um, and I have only seen a few, you know, in person. Yeah. There's, mm -hmm. there's some at the, there's one at the Legion of Honor Which here in San Francisco. Fun, absolutely. The profile. It's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And the Met has a huge one. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, this wood gatherer, and I, um, was it Michael Klein that you were interviewing that uh, did a... Oh, the painting the wood, of the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And it referenced that, and I immediately thought, oh my gosh, that, you know, I kind of thought that this Lepage painting, and am I pronouncing that right? Is it? Yeah. I wouldn't I mean, I always okay. say, I always say Lepage. Okay. Well, if you're pronouncing it wrong, we all are. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm, you know, living we'll in down. Madison, Wisconsin, Le there's Page. no one there, no one's correcting me. So yeah. I, um, and, and you guys didn't either. We'll get so. Kate Lehman. Right, exactly. Let's, uh, <laughs> in front of uh, whose sculpture we're, we're set up. Right. Oh, that's right. We are sitting in front of a Kate Lehman sculpture. Have some catfish. That's kind hilarious. Swirling in a um, yin and yang kind of formation. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. So you so said the Lepage painting. Right, so that was another one that I still feel like it left an indelible mark on me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a... I wouldn't consider myself a figurative painter, but that painting um, has so many still life qualities to it that really got me excited. And it really is this giant stack of wood that this old man is carrying on his back, on his back while this little girl is picking flowers right next to him. And she couldn't help him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, my, my grandpa would have dumped a giant pile <laughs> on me, you know, enough with the flowers, you know, let's but the flowers are helping. The flowers are helping. <laughs> That's true. It's all about beauty. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Um, so, I think, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, 
you know, this early exposure to these just masterful things and, and the drive to want to actually try to create something similar, you know, that to try to create something that would stir somebody in the same way that I was feeling when I was standing in front of these masterpieces um, has always been like a big motivating factor. And the still life element of that particular painting really spoke to you. It did. It did. And, um, it was very dynamic. The, um, the lines of it, the, the sticks are going every which way. And and that might even be back to the graffiti, you know, the fill in of a letter has all sorts of directional things happening. And, you know, in a painting, the, uh, compositional devices used by an artist to move your eye throughout the, the canvas was something you did in, on the brick wall as well. Did yeah. you have uh, at the at the school? Did you have other people you were talking art with, like your other fellow students, or were you kind of even though you're at an art school? Was was there other people feeling the same thing you were feeling, or going that well, direction? I, yeah, I would I would break it down to half the students were were very serious and there for a reason, wow. and the other half. And this is I'm just speaking for the visual arts yeah. part, but. Um, the other half are there because it was a neighborhood school yeah. and, and it's pretty and, good for a high school to have yeah. half of them be actually serious. Yeah, it really was. And, um, there was still, you know, there was incredible artists there from all around the city because it was this magnet school. So it wasn't just drawing from a small little neighborhood. Yeah. It was from the whole city. And I, I definitely had other, you know, colleagues and uh, classmates that I looked up to while I was there. You know, you, you always want to be associating yourself with more talented people yeah. than yourself because then you you know you're reaching for that fruit that's a little beyond your reach so you can grow and when i was a avid skateboarder we always went for the the guys with kids who were better they yeah. could do the the most daring and technical tricks and um and you know you kind of got their reflected glory yeah. back on you as well so um so being around those those um students all with that same kind of serious focus on the arts was you know i thought incredibly beneficial and, and unique. Not a lot of people got to experience that. Yeah. Are, are any of them artists still? Y- yes. Um, there's a number of them that I still s- stay in contact with. I wouldn't say um, many of them have gone the gallery route, like right. like I have, uh, being kind of a professional producing artist. Yeah. But I know that there are some that are in il- they're illustrators yeah. or still working in the field. But, yeah. Um, did you know you wanted to be a gallery artist, or is that did you figure that out way later? I think I did know that I wanted to be someone that sold his art for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I started as early as I possibly could. Started showing in um, coffee shops, wine bars. Where'd uh, you go to college? I went to the University of Wisconsin. Okay, in Madison. In Madison, yeah. And uh, Badgers. One Badgers. of yeah, go Badgers. And I was uh, fortunate enough to get a full scholarship there. So from high school, I was the second for art. It was for actually for academics. Okay. I was the second You're smart. I was well, uh, book smart, not yeah. not street smart. <laughs> it, you know. I narrowly avoided being eaten, uh, but uh, <laughs> callback. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So um, no, so I I was the second in my class at the high school of the arts uh, academically and. And at the time, Wisconsin had a program for the top two students nice. who could get a full scholarship. Just got in under the wire that yeah, one. Yeah, those programs are long gone, but um, uh, which is unfortunate because it, there's a lot of brain drain happening too. You know, bright kids go elsewhere when, yeah. when there's other opportunities. Right. And, and uh, Wisconsin um, had this program, and I took advantage of it and went to the flagship school, which is in Madison, and it's a an amazing place, but. You know, kind of a funny thing. My first semester, I didn't have any art classes, so I th- I thought, okay, time to buckle down, be serious, because it's going to be because you know that it gets it gets more and more serious through from from nine to twelve. So you figure <laughs> it's just going to get way serious now once you go to like the big school. Well, you know, it's funny. I I've always, I think maybe I was just maybe overconfident. I I think I probably felt like I had learned all that I needed to learn. In high school, and you know that overconfidence I'll reference uh, a little later. But I think that's good to have kind of this, you know, <laughs> overinflated sense of self when you're going into something like art because they fake it until you make it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. And also, if you're overly pragmatic about it, you're never going to do it, yeah. and or at least you know take the risk to you know try to do it full time. Mm. Um, so I I 
didn't have any art my first semester, thinking that I'd be going into business or something, which I didn't really know exactly what that was. But it's funny because I am a businessman now too. Being an artist, you can't just create. You have to, you have to move and shake Wait, to, to make those things actually <laughs> leave your house and end uh, up in other people's walls. Yeah, there's, there's that element. Um, so having a semester in college without it was a big wake-up call that it was, you know, I was not happy not having... Yeah, I was gonna this say, formal you, training. Okay and, with that, no, I you? wasn't. And right away, uh, I enrolled in 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 the art program um, the next semester. And thankfully, I, had, I was able to get advanced credits with my portfolio and AP um, AP art that yeah. I took, and was able to kind of you know hit the ground running with a bunch of extra credits. And mm-hmm. I figured maybe I should become an art teacher like my dad because. he's had uh, gainful employment and Mm -hmm. you know that was the practical side of me um well it's hard to imagine that i mean i don't know i didn't have any and i mean i was in new york city i didn't have any model for people making a living uh selling paintings until i met jacob collins really and then i saw that he was like painting like crazy finishing paintings sending them to the gallery selling them finishing more paintings sending them to the gallery selling you know right I was like, wow, you can do that. Did you, was that, did you have a sense that that was something that people were doing? Well, I I knew that that was a reality for some people. Um, And in college, like I said, I early on started to try to get my own independent shows throughout Madison. And this was after I'd actually finally taken some painting courses. Again, thinking I already knew everything there was to know. (laughs) I... My first painting teacher at Madison, her name's Nancy Maladenoff. She's a terrific lady. Still, she's still a professor there. She insisted that I buy a set of oil paints because that was, you know, on the on the materials list for the mm-hmm. class. And prior to that, I had only used acrylics and watercolors and things like that. Spray paint and spray paint. Yep, exactly. And I was a super broke college kid, and the thought of having to buy a set of oil paints and there was like four. Well, you must have been sealing your spray paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had baggy pants back then. There was, uh, <laughs> the, that paint, yeah. I, I'm not going to admit to any no of that. Comment. Baggy, clanking pants no as you walked out of Kmart. Right. Exactly. Um, so getting this nudge by uh, Nancy Malinoff to actually buy oil paints to push back my or push past my frugality and and mm-hmm. you know money concerns, you know it was a few hundred dollars to buy the materials on this for this first class and you know, that was a big deal. I mean, that might might as well be ten thousand dollars. It was. It really pay. was. And um, so I I went ahead and did it. And after finally pushing oil paints around, I realized you know I saw why people have been using it for hundreds and hundreds of years and the magic of them and the slower drying times and the richness of the pigments. And yeah. I thought, okay, now I, now I can really do something with this. Mm-hmm. And um, so from there, you started to try to really create finished pieces. Um, what well, were the, uh, the classes set up like? Did they have drawing from life or? You yep, know? there was uh, life drawing. There were you know, a lot of fundamental courses of, of design and 3D design, things like that. But I, I globbed onto a life drawing instructor named David Becker. And after taking one class with him, was able to do a ton of independent study with him. And at a university the size of uh, Madison, there's lots, lots and lots of layers in bureaucracy that if you are proactive and kind of use the Jedi mind trick on, yeah. on the... Um, your guidance counselors and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people that okay the credits that you're taking. These are not the credits you're looking for. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was able to use all these independent studies to apply towards my teaching degree. So I was able to avoid classes like calligraphy, okay. and which, again, another expensive course. You had to buy a lot of fancy pens. So mm-hmm. I wanted to avoid that. Be pretty cool though. Now it, I know. Well, you, <laughs> there's this font thing you can use and change on a computer. So there's a <laughs> this was before you could do anything beyond just a couple of fonts. But so um, I was able to use these independent studies with David Becker to just do lots and lots of painting, and he was a really great oil painter as well. Mm-hmm. And all the while, I was doing lots of figure drawing and you know honing those skills. And again, it was just really just 
um, sharpening the powers of observation and you know how it translates from your eyes to your brain to your hand and onto the paper or the canvas. Um, now that you are around these, you know, professional, not to say that the the people in your high school weren't professionals, but you're around these, I think these working artists, were you all of a sudden like, wow, I, I, I need to learn a lot. Like, I really don't know a lot. Or were you there, still pretty arrogant? You know, I, I, <laughs> I know it all. I'll, I'll tell you I'll when, listen to them. I'll tell you when I became humble, but again, that's coming later. Cause I just happened about an hour ago. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, so, I, I didn't have a lot of the the modeling like you were saying like until you yeah. met you know Jacob, Jacob and and saw that that was a you know a, a possibility. I first thought, well, if I get my stuff out into the public, that people are going to buy it. And um, at the time, I actually succeeded in that. My pieces were all selling, and um, and this was through like cafes. Cafes, and, they would take and, a ten percent cut. Yeah. You know, and I would hang the show myself. Um, there was a wine bar where the band Garbage yeah, uh, used to mm-hmm. hang out because that was based in Madison. Smart Studios was in Madison, mm-hmm. so a lot of um, terrific records were recorded there, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and things like that. Uh, so Garbage would, you know, the band Garbage would hang out at this cool bar, and my work was up, and several of the pieces were purchased by some of them, and I thought, well, this is, this is it. My, ticket is, it. my ticket's punched. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm set, you yeah. know, and these pieces were selling for a few hundred dollars a piece and, yeah. you know, and, and that added up quickly. Yeah. And again, I, th- I thought that it's I never ending. It. Exactly. It's going to be like this forever. It's like minting money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting that early taste of, uh, some success and, and, um, seeing that exhibiting was a viable option. I, I really set my, my sights on becoming a professional painter. So I knew that wasn't going to happen in Wisconsin. So after I graduated from the university with a teaching degree, so I had this fallback plan to become mm-hmm. an art teacher. Um, my wife and I, my girlfriend at the time, but wife now, we moved to San Francisco. This was in 97. And there was this big exodus to, or uh, a great migration from the, you know, the Madison area to San Francisco uh, the Spe- tech- specifically yes. the, the Madison area. Well, a number of our friends all left at the same time and uh, we yeah. followed along and they're all in tech fields still, you know, uh, yeah. at, to this day doing great. And my wife and I, she went into nonprofit work and I was an art teacher for a year here mm-hmm. in San Francisco. So, um, our spreadsheet isn't quite as strong as uh, some of our friends. So you're so. like, guys, uh, can we not go to that restaurant? Oh my <laughs> gosh, we yeah. need, uh, <laughs> We'll meet you after dinner. <laughs> that that phenomenon was something that used to stress me out so much. Yeah. And again, you, I, it's I hint, really awkward. Yeah, I hinted at how cheap I was uh, back. You know, my hesitancy to buy oil paints, but. <laughs> When, you know, $200 bottles of wine are being ordered and I didn't get any of that wine, uh, you know, and I specifically ordered a chicken dish. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And then, you know, then split, you split the it. Jack and well, like, you know, ah. the, the math is a lot easier if it's just divided by everyone equally. And again, I was, you know, not rolling in it and thinking, just, this, yeah. this is an injustice. So, you know, but, you know. Ben, guys, what, I, I really, I had a little bit less food than the rest of you. And I, I didn't have a <laughs> sip of wine, guys. It's just not, I... Listen, my sense of justice is... Right. You know, so that's why I had my backup uh, symbols. In, you know, so I would just crash and leave. You know, it was, you know that's how I made my exit. You know, some people drop mics. I crash symbols and just run. Right. Um, so, but, you know, actually... But, so when you were coming out to San Francisco, and I know at that time, well, before that time, the whole tech thing was just blowing up. Were you coming out here also because... I mean, I remember even in the graffiti world, San Francisco at one point was like the hottest city for graffiti outside of you know, obviously New York and LA. It's so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is like, were you looking at San Francisco as this place to go and, you know, meet and be an artist and sell work? Well, I, I definitely knew it was more of an art market than anywhere in Wisconsin. Okay. And I knew that, you know, you have to... Um, change your surroundings to you know, get a good thing going. At yeah. least at the time, I knew that the move was important. And, and I'm a kind of guy that's very risk averse. And it was a kind of a big 
leap for me. And yeah. it was my, um, I credit my wife for pushing me a lot in my mm -hmm. life to do things that are beyond my comfort zone. And moving to San Francisco was definitely, you know, a big kind of leap of faith. Yeah. We, again, we didn't have jobs and we weren't, we didn't, we weren't techies. So did you um, ever spend time here before that? We visited once before and fell in love with it. Okay. And said, God, this, we were here in the middle of the winter and it was like, you know, 60 degrees and back in Wisconsin, it, it was, a, it was like hibernate 10 degrees yeah. below zero at the time. And we thought, God, this is, this is how people, some people can live like this. And maybe we could do that too. Must be nice. Yeah, exactly. So what were we, you painting? At the time, um, I was really turned on by odd nerd drum. Yeah. And so I was doing kind of like my own kind of version of his. It's so different from. Yeah. You. Well, that, yeah. Well, at the time, you know, there was, I think I was working out um, kind of uh, past trauma or something. <laughs> I, a lot of the things I was painting were these like really angry old men <laughs> and um, they were menacing again, but very dramatically lit a la Zerberan and right. Caravaggio. Or and, like Ribera. Right, right. And, um, but, you know, that the kind of post apocalyptic vision that Ad Nerdrum had. And when I saw those pieces for the first time, I Where thought. Where did you see those pieces? There were some that were hanging in the Milwaukee Art Museum. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Are they still there? I don't think they're, I don't think they were a part of the collection. They were there for a show. And our teacher then, you made a point of saying, look, check this guy out. He's kind of like a modern Rembrandt. And, wow, that's and, so cool. Yeah, and it was, it was, um, fascinating to see this technical virtuosity but with such a kind of shocking subject matter and somebody who's alive who's doing exactly that. right so um i was real excited about that so i was doing these kind of weird portraits a little surrealism mm -hmm. you know thrown in there and i thought all right and those, these are the types of pieces that were selling in madison mm -hmm. and i was building my own frames kind of um they were you know, made out of cheap wood, but I'd really just craft the crap out of them. Yeah. Uh, I was a wood shop supervisor at the university in the art department uh, mm -hmm. for a work study job. So I got to learn all the tools oh, wow. and make sure that no uh, limbs or digits were cut off. <laughs> right. Um, were you spending more time on the paintings or the frames? Takes a while. Probably the frames. Really? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah at the I time. Mean, and you know, that was one of those funny things that you eventually, it dawns on you that your time's more valuable painting than right. building a frame for it. And that the expensive cost of frames are actually worth it, you know, cause yeah. some other yeah. expert, you know, the diversification of expertise in our society is important and good and you shouldn't do it all. And yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I was doing. And when I, we moved out to San Francisco, that's the work that I was convinced I was going to bedazzle the art world with. <laughs> and Thankfully, I knew about the John Pence Gallery and saw... How did you know about John Pence? Looking through art magazines, seeing the art ads uh, that he would have. Um, I saw a Jacob Collins ad, mm -hmm. Will Wilson, mm -hmm. um, a number of the other painters that were, you know, really spoke to me. And I, so I kind of strolled into the gallery. Finally, you know, when I got established here in the city and I got a teaching job here, um, teaching art. So... I had where, that. Where I would. It was at an after-school program for public school kids. So okay. I, it was still a full-time job, but it was kind of after, later in the day. So that's the gig I, I landed. But all the while, I was desperately trying to get into a gallery and right. trying to play it cool while doing it. Mm -hmm. So you know, attending the openings and you know, trying to be kind of a little aloof and <laughs> and you know, mysterious. And eventually, uh, John Pence said, "Hey, what? You know, I've noticed you've come around here a bunch. What's your name?" And he introduced himself and. He was incredibly warm and in inviting, and I said, "Well, I'm an artist, and I'm you know a big fan of all the painters here." And he said, "Well, what kind of work do you do? What, you know, what kind of artist are you?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "Well," and this is, goes back to the uh, overinflated uh, sense of self. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm kind of like a little bit of Jacob Collins and a little bit of Will Wilson put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. I was like their love child. You're too <laughs> top. Only, artists on them but, but a, mixed together but a perfect, only a little better but a perfect hybrid and you know <laughs> you know in hindsight if I were to line up the work I showed John now and this is 20 years ago now next to the Jacob Collins and the Will Wilsons that were on the wall at the time I mean it would the scales would have fallen from my eyes and I would have realized that you know that it was a joke <laughs> that I thought that it was even remotely you know in the same caliber or, or stratosphere as, you know, these talented artists. And 
But thankfully, um, John saw something in them. And he actually um, invited Will Wilson to kind of critique the work too. Will was living uh, in San Francisco yeah. and his studio was right above the gallery. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, I get to meet Will Wilson, this guy that I admired greatly. And he was uh, like a really wonderful guy. He was funny was the, and, yeah. and genuine yeah. and complimentary. I'm like, this guy is saying this was good. Well, yeah, I must be right. This is good. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, the, the thing that I um, was able to achieve through these kind of early um, meetings with John and Will, John said, well, look, let's set up a formal studio visit. And because I guess he saw enough in the, that early work that... Basically, he's, he wanted it the angry old man. The right, dark, he saw the angry old man and said, "This guy this someday guy I'm going to be an angry old man." Exactly, so. and it, you know, uh, no comment. <laughs> um, I love John. So, so John did say this though: I want you to do something that would have a better chance of selling, and <laughs> because I guess the angry old art market was already cornered by other painters or Odd something. Trump. Right, exactly. <laughs> and he also said, "You're." You seem to have a you know a decent sense of humor. Why are these pieces so dark and spooky and and kind of depressing? Had you ever asked yourself that? No, no. I was still going for this maximum impact. And right. remember, it was still creating a stir in the viewer, but it wasn't like right. You know, but that's work... a very art schooly. I, I mean, I think that kind of like the dark kind of that's a thing that kind of comes out. Oh yeah, of art angst, school. angst ridden stuff. And, yeah. and I'm still kind of my. Um, my musical tastes are still arrested in that same time period yeah. of the cure and the Smiths and, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, not happy go lucky music. And I still just love that kind of music. So that was the work I was doing. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, you're, you're a funny guy. Why don't you try to do something that's a little bit more, have some levity to it. And he's the one that said, try to incorporate a little humor in your work and see what happens. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll give it a try. And I was exposed to artists like Scott Frazier, yeah. Daniel Sprick, uh, and, yeah. and even Will Wilson had a number of like kind of whimsical and, and um, thought-provoking and funny pieces, or fun pieces, I should say. And I thought, yeah, it doesn't have to just be serious or, or mysterious or you know, like this Zerberon piece. It yeah. can actually have... It could make you crack a smile while you admire a beautiful subject mm -hmm. or something. So, I did a I did a, a painting of um, I think a pretty standard still life of some paintbrushes in a glass jar, and again there wasn't any humor in it, but that was my. It wasn't a brooding like a, a angry old man. Exactly, but it had dramatic lighting, and they you know the brushes were casting a shadow next to it. And I thought, oh, this 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 could be the something that John's looking for. And when he saw it. He bought it on the spot, and and I was like, again, just blown away. I was like, he's like, so name the price. And you're like one. Million. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're coming from the coffee shop. You're like yeah. one hundred. Right. So no, listen. This was an. This is a ten by eight, and I'm thinking, oh, it's, this is like a small painting. It only took me a couple, you know, like a couple weeks to do, and I was like four hundred dollars, and he's like, <laughs> he's like. Okay, sold, but you just, you know, you undervalued yourself. And, it, you know, at the time I thought I was definitely getting over on this guy. You know, that yeah. was just, you know. But from that point on, I, that was the, the beginning of my journey into professional artdom or, or whatever you would say. And that's also the time that I really just kind of embraced the kind of quirky, kind of um, corny sense of humor that I've always had uh, growing up in, in Milwaukee and, and then, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, so John gave me a, a, my first solo show a year later. Did he have you participate in uh, group shows yep, or anything I, just I, to see how you react? I, I dabbled, um, you know, he, he would put a couple pieces in early <clears throat> into some group shows. But at that, after that meeting, when he bought that first piece, he said, all right, well, let's schedule a show for you in a year. So that was my first, this is my first big break. And did you go tell those kids you were teaching to... To shove it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not immediately. Um, <laughs> so I um, was, of course, it, I had to really work up a dramatic way to yeah, tell them to, gotta, yeah. to get lost. <laughs> 
Well, no, so no, I, you I see didn't. see this uh, check? Yeah. $400. <laughs> $400. I'm out of here, right. suckers. <laughs> I got four C notes. What do you think of that? I had it cashed into singles, so I, I would just. <laughs> you made it rain. Made it rain. Made it rain. And then just left the, uh, you know, the after school program. <laughs> Symbol you know. smash. Right, exa <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, quick question. What was the, um, what was the vibe like in San Francisco or even, or let's say more locally, John Pence gallery thing going on? Like what was, what was going on? What was the art like or the, 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 the crowds like? Well, John's known for <clears throat> realism and he has an, an, a national reach. So the, what was going on here specifically at the John Pence Gallery was just a lot of incredible painting and sculpture. But were people coming to the openings? And people were coming, pieces were selling. Jacob Collins was showing on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, some of his earlier shows were here. Oh, and yeah. you know, they were all selling out. Um, that, that segues into my earlier shows were all sellouts. Yeah. And, and that really became, again, um, this positive feedback loop of you can keep doing this every time you have a sale i i liken it to your expiration date just getting lengthened a little bit longer right yeah. and you know more time to keep doing what you're doing as opposed to you know resting on your laurels or it's also i mean you're alone in your studio and you're making something and you're hoping to connect to people and it's confirmation that like Whatever you're putting out there, people are getting it, and they're they're embracing it. They're I mean, literally they're, buying it. Yeah, they're buying they're my buy uh, my crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hard to right. Well, um, so I didn't just become a, a full time painter right away after this first show. One of John Pence's assistants here at the gallery was leaving, and John approached me about working part time at the gallery. And any reason why you, well, I mean, did he I, see that you had sort of business savvy yep, and, yep. and I, you know, I, we had a good rapport and he knew I was a hard worker, you know, things that I put my mind to, I, I really, um, put my all into it and he offered me a job. And again, that was while I was still teaching and I have this teaching degree. So that was another crossroads. Like, do I abandon what I went to school for to try this, um, you know, the, the art world out. And I'm so glad that I did because I took the job at John Pence Gallery while being an artist here. And, you know, that you might think that's a conflict of interest, yeah. but um, I felt like having a, an artistic background at the gallery um, helped me connect with a lot of the collectors coming in. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You and, can explain in yeah, ways, the, like you can talk about mediums. Exactly. That people are I gave using. them the. You could the also sign behind the paintings. Exactly, that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them the you know the a glimpse behind the curtain of, yeah. of what artists are doing and and I you know that was really a wonderful way to see how the art world works on the business side of it. And it isn't just magical that a piece sells. It's yeah. there's follow up, there's promoting, there's thinking about who who might be most uh, excited about this piece and would target and when it. Comes in. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and that's the same kind of stuff I still do uh, with my work now of thinking, well, who, who should I send a, you know, this pick to or, or mm -hmm. whatever? And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> it's amazing how that has changed so much too, as far as with the internet and, and all that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I, it, it seems like um, everything has to slightly adjust to cater to what's going on right you know? right well it's you know I, I'm sure that if and when you guys talk with John Pence I'm sure he'll talk about oh he has no when, choice when the, when, when, when. You, will be you know that the you know the future of a brick and mortar gallery is you know that seems like it's on shifting sands at the moment yes that's actually but that's I, I don't think that really bothers me though because Seeing the paintings in person is so important. And well, I mean, we're, we're here at the gallery right now. There was an opening last night. And just getting to see all of the paintings, a lot of them, you know, I've seen different paintings online. And, you know, some uh, artists here who, whose work I really hadn't seen that much. And 
it's a totally different experience seeing absolutely I mean, and it's not just the scale i mean paint is it's you said when you when you discovered oil paint you were like oh my god now i understand why people were using this for so long there's like translucency to the paint there's stuff that a camera is just never going to pick up when you photograph the work and put it online well it's, a perfect example of that is actually uh, one of your pieces tony there's a terrific still life in the front gallery of some limes mm -hmm. and it's one of your most recent still lifes that you did a, a beautiful piece and i admired it in its digital format but seeing it in person it kind of slapped me in the face when i got to get up close and see the the thick impasto highlights that you put in mm -hmm. and the you know the white on the lime on the limes rind or whatever it's called was really jumping off the panel or the canvas and i thought well that that's the next level of dimensionality and the way the light was catching on that highlight was adding an extra level of realism to it. Mm -hmm. and, and none of that translates on a computer it, it, screen. It you liked it on Instagram, but you loved it in person. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. Yeah, totally. You heard it here first. Yes, it don't. I think pocket. that should be one of our first shirts. <laughs> that, that's pretty good, actually. It is. But I'm going to use that. But the idea of that is, you know, I think we've, a lot of us have talked about, oh, you got to see it in person. You got to see it in person. So I, I do think, um, I get scared about the, the whole gallery thing and, and everything's going to be online. And, but it's almost like I've heard that the whole book thing, you know, books are going to become obsolete because everything is going to the um, computer, but apparently it's making a comeback. Because it's that idea that, you know, in, in a simpler way, like somebody just wants to sit there and have this book open or they want to go to the bookstore. I do until I'm trying to read on the subway. And bookstores, it's all it's too late. That battle. <laughs> no, that apparently battle. it's kind of coming back a little well, bit there, where people want to go and get like a physical book and then hold it and smell it. And there's all a tactile sensation that adds to the experience of reading those words. So like what Ted was saying last night, we were, we're actually here at John Pence Gallery recording with Jacob. And, you know, we when we went to the opening last night, it was just, it's just so different. And of course, to us, that's normal. We know that. We know that you want to go to the museum and see that painting because it's it's night and day. It's, you, it's, it's, you can't compare it. Right. I'm just going to go yeah. ahead and say, you cannot compare a painting, a great painting, uh, or even a sculpture, when you go see the thing, it's like going to the Grand Canyon and saying, here's a postcard, awesome, and then going to the Grand Canyon. It's like, oh, it's kind of the same. And it's like, no, it's not the same. So when you go to the, for us going to the, um, to the opening last night, and of course it was great because it was like summer camp for us where we saw all <laughs> our friends and everything. But you go there and you <laughs> see the paintings and you're like, yeah, you know, like you want to be in front of it. Like there's just... It's, it's inspiring too. So it makes you different. want to paint when you see people using paint in ways. You're just like, wow! I want to. I want to get back to my. I don't really well, get that. When you, when when you I, get when that I'm spark of it. inspiration, it really does make getting back in the studio easier. Yeah, I mean, it really is like this, uh, this yeah. invisible shove, you know, behind, from behind to get you going again. I'd love that. Yeah, and and working at the gallery for as long as I did, it was a daily dose of that so inspiration. So you got yeah, yeah you you. I mean, because I, uh, John represents like the best you know, some of the best realists in the world. Right. And yep. um, so I can imagine working here that you were seeing the latest painting from some of the best people who were doing it. Right. And that's where the humbling experience came in that I um, alluded to earlier. It, <laughs> it, being able to handle these pieces and being around them for as long as I was, and uh, it dawned on me that there was so much more to learn mm -hmm. and that these are really just, you know, the limits there aren't any limits of what you can yeah, do yeah. with with this medium or really with art in general but were know, there any just, pieces in particular that were come to the gallery you're like whoa this kind of changes like this is kind of game changer well the like some of my um favorites that came through were jacob collins pieces will wilson some scott frazier's um, daniel spricks there's a landscape painter that you guys interviewed joseph mcgirl oh, yeah. he work. he's shown here a number of years and that was another kind of eye-opener that, you know, landscapes were never really my thing. I always thought, oh, those are pretty, but, you know, mm -hmm. I never thought that there could be any kind of transcendent experience looking at them. And, it, you know, looking in, at one of Joseph McGurl's pieces, it, I fell into the atmosphere yeah. and felt like the the sea breeze was hitting me when I was looking at them and thought, you know, that's 
just incredible. So yeah. magical stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I got to, you know, soak that up for a number of years um, before I decided to uh, pack up shop and move back to the Midwest after my daughter was born out here. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, there, that was like reality hitting me in the face of, again, my wife and I didn't go into the tech industry. Right. And, you know, we managed to um, save up enough to buy a home, uh, condominium out here. And in San Francisco, in San Francisco. And I was painting out of one of the rooms there. And I started getting this sense of impending doom. Like, why is my place this valuable now? It doesn't <laughs> make sense. We live in a rough neighborhood. Um, maybe we should sell this place and move back to the Midwest, especially after my daughter was born yeah. and uh, knowing how expensive childcare is and things like that. Yeah. And so my wife said, all right, let's do it. And we moved right before we moved back to Madison in 2006 and um, got a great price on our condo and then went to a much cheaper market and was able to buy a beautiful old home where I built my dream studio up in the, the third floor oh, with nice. skylights and yeah. really kind of pimped it out. <laughs> um, a place to put my symbols. Um, you know, it was... Uh, <laughs> $400 worth. <laughs> $400 worth of symbols. They were the best symbols uh, $400 could buy. And that, you know, fast forward leads me to... Um, I've been back in Madison for 10 years now and working 100% as a, as a full-time painter. And I, we chatted last night at the opening of, you know, the, how important it is to have a partner that actually has a job as well. Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, you know, the creative process would be seriously hindered by the type of, you know, uh, provider anxiety that you get as a parent. Yeah. And if something hasn't, if I haven't had a sale for a couple of months, you know, I mean, it really can be feast and famine and to have a, a supportive wife with the health insurance for the family makes it all so, yeah. you know, possible. Yeah. So it gets tough out there for sure. So I uh, owe a lot to my, my lovely and beautiful wife, Jill. I, I do yeah. remember when we heard you were moving back. Um, I think everybody got really nervous because of what you were saying when you were here and you were the yeah. kind of go-to guy that when um, collectors would come here, they would come to you because you knew what you were talking about. And they would ask you your advice. So us as artists, we started going like, oh, and not, not that Jan John can't do that. We just knew one of our own was in there, meaning a, a, an artist artist right. was in there and making sure that they knew why Ted's work was so great or why Jacob's work was so great or something like that. You can explain. Because a lot of people would come into a gallery um, you know, fortunately with John Pence, there was so many great, uh, works here that you can just, you know, throw a, a dart and hit something amazing. <laughs> we, that's, that's John wanting to come on mic. Yeah. You know, but, but, but what ended up happening is, uh, so we got nervous cause you were able to kind of, um, influence so many great, great collectors to buy some of the great works. Right. Well, you know, that, that influence that I had definitely came from John. So he, he was able to. Well, 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 speaking who's of the devil, who's that Mr. Over there? Pence is in, and the um, there's a certain young lady who would like to take a shower. <laughs> and she I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> well, I've, I'm being paid, apparently, I'm, I'm going to be able to take okay. a um, by the way, John, get used to this because you're sitting in this you're chair next. tomorrow. No, we're leaving, but tomorrow you're, you're going to be we're in, you're going to get right. in that right. chair. Well, I have to pack up the well, it um. I've got lots more to say, so I'm just kidding. I'll just say thank you guys for uh, talking with me. I, I well, love listening to the podcast while I'm painting, and um, it's it's like you guys have kept me company while I'm painting in the studio. So thanks for doing what you guys are doing. It's thanks. really wonderful. Yeah, well, thank you. Let me ask you, Jacob. Where, where where can people find your work? Well, um, I've and, got a I've got a website besides John Pence besides Gallery. the John Pence Gallery. <laughs> you can I've got my own website, yeah. um, jacobapfeiffer.com. I my, I use my middle initial. Because there's another Jacob Pfeiffer out there. He's a 90-year-old um, Romanian immigrant who also is a realist. So wow. no way. He's I, a, uh, there's yes, another Jacob same Pfeiffer spelling. Paper. So I've used my middle initial for about 15 years as a, a way to you know discern between the two of us. Or, right. Have um, you met him? I've never met him, but um, I, I challenged him to an arm wrestling match to, for <laughs> for the yeah for the name, and uh, he won. So I had to include my. <laughs> My, my, my initial. So, so Jacob A. Pfeiffer and Pfeiffer's P-F-E-I-F-F-E-R. That's the right way to spell Pfeiffer. <laughs> Pfeiffer. 
Um, well, hey, thank you so much for coming on and yeah, talking thanks. about this. Because, you know, we've obviously, I, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Thank so you. It's thank a, you. I, and I'm, a fan of you. And thanks. you. Cause you well, I, I love both of your works. I own one of Ted's pieces. His, one of his paintings uh, hangs proudly in my living room, but there's a spot that's empty next to it for a Tony Serenai. So at some point, I want to make We'll sure figure that, that something happens. out because that would be awesome. Great. That would be really good. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank Jacob, you, thanks. John Pence, for allowing us to record here. Thank you, Linda Delaney at Bay Area Classical Arts Atelier for uh, getting us out here together at the same time. Yep. And we will see you all soon. Thanks, thanks, Jacob. You rule. Thank you. You guys, too. Bye-bye. All right, thanks. Oh, it's so crazy. You can, like, go for it. One, like, oh. two, get down. Call to beat a